The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. I'm going to get this out of the way right off the bat. All the things that you worry might happen when you come back from maternity leave, they all happen. It's all real. Here's an example. People around the office might barely remember you. On that topic, you might be wondering who I am. I'm Francesca Levy, co-host of Game Plan, and I'm fresh back from maternity leave. This week, we're going to be talking about what it's like when you come back from work after a long leave. This is Game Plan. I'm Francesca Levy. And I'm Rebecca Greenfield. And welcome back, Francesca. Thank you. We missed you while you were gone. Thanks. I was gone for a while. Yeah, doing some good work. While you were gone, Sam Grobart did a great job filling in. He did. And that won't be the last that you guys will hear from him. But now you're back. I'm back. And we are going to talk all about me in a few moments. But first, I'm not the only person that's gone away from their job for a long stretch and then had to come back and readjust. Yeah, there are all sorts of reasons that people might leave their jobs for an extended period of time and then come back with changed circumstances. Like obviously having a kid. Right. That's the big one. The big one, because a lot of people do it. Mm -hmm. But now as the workforce ages, more people are leaving their jobs to take care of sick family members. Mm -hmm. Like their elderly parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And companies that have the best benefits, like the ones that have the really plush maternity leave packages, also are starting to offer these elder care benefits Mm -hmm. where they'll give you paid time off to take care of a sick family member. And I think people who come back from something like that or maybe they're, you know, maybe you'd be off work for disability or some other reason often have a lot in common with people who go out on maternity leave or parental leave. They come back and it's not like they can get right back to doing exactly the thing they were doing before. You've kind of changed circumstances. Yeah, like there's not only, what you're, like you were saying, this transition process, but you might have to go to a doctor's appointment. Right. Or or you have to continue caring for your elderly parents, even if it's not your full-time gig. Yeah, and there are stigmas associated with that. I mean, especially with parents. There's all this research showing that Women, when they have kids and come back to the workforce, are unfairly judged for many of their actions. And they have this motherhood penalty where they lose 4% of their pay for every child they have controlling for a time taken off. So it's like just because you have a kid. Wow. And just in case you're wondering, dads don't have this. They right. get a fatherhood bonus because we see parents differently in the workplace. Right. So like when a dad has to leave a few minutes early to pick up his kid, everyone thinks, what a stand-up guy who handles his family responsibilities so well. But when a woman does it, she just can't juggle everything. She can't do it all. Mm-mm. Yeah, and because workplaces aren't really set up for working parents, a lot of women in particular end up just not coming back. And on the face of it, that seems kind of crappy to take your maternity leave and then quit immediately after. But I can kind of see how it happens. You know, if you were already having some issues with your job and then your whole life changes and you have to add that to balancing this job that you didn't like that much to begin with, I can sort of see how going back can suddenly become a really difficult thing to do. 
And even when you do like your job, like you, Francesca. Love it. There are anxieties about coming back. And I think it'd be fun for us to go back to an episode that we did with you before you left on maternity leave, where we talked to you about your anxieties and what you were worried about. Yeah, let's hear what I was freaking out about. There's so many complicating interests. You know, there's me wanting all of the work that I've done to be maintained and maintained well and be in good shape and the projects that I'm proud of and feel close to, I want them to go well. But then it's like I don't want them to go too well because I want people to, I want to feel relevant and I want people to miss the work that I did. So how was that for you? Did uh, any of that ring true? Well, Sam had the nerve to go ahead and do a really good job. So obviously I'm super threatened by that. But no, it was really interesting to listen to because the thing about coming back is everything that you counted on happening kind of happens. Like some things were done really well without me being here and I'm less necessary for those things. But I'm also really happy that a lot of things I was working hard on were kept together really well. And you did such a great job while I was gone. So, you know, everything's (laughs) kind of like where I left it, you know, like the things that were going well are still going well. And the things that everybody has about their job that are kind of annoying and frustrating are still annoying and frustrating. And there's something reassuring about that. And you also were talking to me about like the weird little things throughout your work day. It's funny to like drop back into the same job that you left so many months later because I was a different person, not just because I was a person without a kid back then, but I was a pregnant person and I feel like I was more of a monster than I kind of realized. No. I was in such a bad mood all the time. Like I opened up a chat window to send a message to a colleague and the last chat that I had sent her was from the summer and it was just me complaining about somebody not giving me a seat in a meeting because I was so pregnant and so tired all the time. Reasonable complaint. Reasonable. But I just I realized that I was really annoyed and tired a lot of the time at the end of my pregnancy. So I'm hoping that coming back, I can actually be a more efficient and better worker just because I'm I'm not as pissed off all the time. <laughs> Well, now seems like a good time to bring on our guest who's going to share her experiences about what it was like coming back from her leave. Anna Sale is host of the Death, Sex and Money podcast from WNYC Studios. And when she went on maternity leave, she took kind of a novel approach. She decided to talk about it before, during and after her maternity leave on her podcast. Hi, Anna. Hi. So we're really excited to talk to you about how you've integrated your maternity leave with your work and your life at work. You've been pretty open on your show about the fact that you were pregnant and planning to take maternity leave. You did what you called a visible maternity leave in some forums. So can you just explain a little bit about what that means to you and what it looked like? Sure. So my show, Death, Sex and Money, is it's about the things that we all go through but can have trouble talking about. So that can be really big things like relationships or grief. But also I thought like maternity leave is one of those things. It's things that working women uh, kind of have a little bit of guilt about as they're approaching it. And then when my colleagues who've got a maternity leave before me, when I would watch them go, it was like they were super pregnant. I wouldn't see them for four months. And then they would come back 
with a cute little baby in the office. And it was just like, wow, what on earth did they do down this wormhole? <laughs> so, yeah, so it just seemed to me like this is like a um, new parents would just disappear and then they would come back. And it was like, what happens on maternity leave? And since I started the show about two and a half years ago, I got engaged, I got married, I got pregnant. So it seemed, and that was part of what I would talk about on the show. So when I was going away on maternity leave, it was like, okay, how do I let listeners in on what's going on with me without working during my maternity leave? Right. Because <laughs> I didn't want to do that. So what we decided to do was we, in addition to you know just producing some episodes ahead of time, we also had a series of guest hosts who had been on the show before, and then in the middle of each of their shows, they would call me up and we would talk. And I was, you know, on my cell phone talking about what was going on in that instant with my infant. So it was an attempt to sort of show, like, when parents go on parental leave, they don't disappear. They're doing really important work. They're just not visible in the workplace. And uh, so that's what I talked about. So you obligated yourself to staying plugged into work to some extent then. Did you regret that at all in the end? Uh, I didn't. And I think probably part of my personality, like <laughs> I, the <laughs> when you're on maternity leave, when you are used to being in the rapids of the media, it can feel isolating all of a sudden. So I appreciated having a way to sort of step in, but then say, okay, that's all I'm doing this week and step away. And I, I liked that just staying a little bit, a little bit in tune with what was happening in the world. Can you tell us just how long you took and when you got back from leave? Yeah, I, uh, I took four months off of work. I was thinking about that this morning. It's so strange. Like one of the things, uh, this is my first child. So one of the strange things about working when you're pregnant is all of a sudden people start asking you like, how long are you going to take? And I, did, I, I knew what I was eligible for based on my time at WNYC and, and I knew what would be paid and, and I decided on four months because that seemed more luxurious than three months, but not too long. I could take up to six months um, paid leave at WNYC, which is amazing. So I I opted to take four months not knowing what it was going to be like to be a parent. And I guess as it got closer and closer, I was really surprised by the – it was anxiety, but I also was feeling really wistful and sad in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I think it was – I was mourning my work identity of being a childless person, you know, being part of this team where we all work really hard and, uh, you know, I had a measure of flexibility that I don't have now to jump in at a, at a moment's notice to, to put out whatever fire. And when you have a kid, your obligations and priorities shift a little bit. So I, I felt this kind of sadness as maternity leave was approaching. And I was really surprised by that because I thought like, oh, my gosh, four months off of work, <laughs> you know, like with a baby. It'll be like the best summer vacation. <laughs> um, it wasn't like that at all. But that was a feeling that surprised me that I, I it didn't just feel like, oh, my God, I'm so excited for this to happen for me to be able to step away from work. Yeah, I remember feeling I don't know if I felt sad, but I, I remember feeling anxious for sure. Yeah, about... we can go back to the tape. Yeah, that's we did right. an episode on it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we talked about how you were worried about the things that people talk about, you know, your job being taken away from you and losing the responsibilities and 
what would happen to your job when you were gone and what it would be like when yeah. you got back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, relevance. Right. Yeah. Relevance. And then also what kind of, and you've talked about this, so I'd love to hear your take on it, but what kind of person you'll be once you have a baby. Everybody tells you it's this life changing thing. So I think you prepare for a total personality shift and you're like, is that person going to be as into their career as the pre-baby person? Did you have that kind of reckoning? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's so many things to be anxious about when you're pregnant, including like, how am I going to change with all these hormones shooting off in my brain that I've never had happen before? But also like, is this baby going to be healthy? And no matter how I'm feeling about work or not work, am I going to be able to commit to work in the same way that I did before? So I was I was feeling all of that. Yeah. So what was it like when you first got back? What were the what were the realities that were the same as what you anticipated and what was different? The first thing I think about is pumping. Pumping is like the worst. <laughs> it's, it's the like, worst. It seems pretty like, disruptive. Yeah. <laughs> Becca ha- has like, heard me talk about it a lot. Yeah. It's like I find it, you know, I've never been a smoker at work. So I've never had something that like all of a sudden your body says no matter what's on your calendar, you have to stop something for 15 yeah. to 20 minutes. And you know, I with all the equipment and carrying the this and that back and forth from work. I mean, that took, you know, there were definitely like early days where I just like left essential part number one on the kitchen counter and had to go back to work, had to go back home to get it. So that was the, <laughs> that's like the biggest thing I think about. And I think that even saying that the pumping has been the biggest stress is the result of me having really great, reliable child care. So for me, I haven't had to worry about is my baby safe when I leave for work? I I have a child care provider who I feel like is actually my baby is much better off getting to spend several hours a day with her because she knows what she's doing um, and she's teaching us. Uh, so I feel like the, the, the end of maternity leave was just this ball of stress about nailing down that child care. And, but once that was done, I was able to shift back to thinking about Okay, what is work going to look like? Yeah, so that that brings me to my next question. It's like there's the added, I don't know, anxiety of how people are perceiving you now that you're a mom. I mean, there's all this research showing that people treat moms differently, even if they don't act differently in the workplace. Is that something you've felt, just like having this identity of a working mom? I have felt incredibly supported by my coworkers, but it is like I definitely have the demon voice in the back of my head saying like oh my god if they if you're 5 minutes late getting to your desk they're going to think you're not committed you're not committed worker and it's because you have a baby now you know all these you know it's the it's the guilt of um just wanting to make sure to show up in the same way that you showed up before which is a little more complicated now you know like if I'm walking out the door heading to work and the baby starts crying and needs to be, you know, given a bottle, it's going to take five to 10 extra minutes than that I wouldn't have to deal with before. But I think that I work on a small enough team that we are pretty communicative about like, can you pick up this piece? I'll pick up this piece later. And and I found the kind of split shift thing of, you know, I have a hard out at the end of the workday to relieve June's childcare provider, but I, after she goes down to bed, I can get back on email and do, you know, spend a few more hours. So I don't think I'm spending fewer hours thinking about work. It just looks different than it did when I could just stay at the office until work was done. I think I have had less guilt because 
I'm now working remotely from my team, so it's not as if they can – I'm not visible all the time, you know. Um, I think if I were returning to the same workplace and, you know, wanted to make sure I was at my desk at 9 a.m. just like I had been before as opposed to, like, listening to a podcast draft while I'm, you know uh, – putting June's clothes on the beginning of the day, you know, multitasking at home. Like, I think that 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 has has made it a little less guilt ridden than I think um, if I hadn't changed up my workplace. Yeah, I think the optics of parenthood is the part that people worry about. Like, oh, I have to leave at five and that looks bad. I actually I felt this way when I was uh, before I had a kid. And I know Becca has talked about this as well. There is you almost feel a little bit, there's a little bit of a flip side to that where, I mean, there are enough people in our newsroom who have kids that I feel like there's a fairly universal acceptance of, you know, you've got to leave at five, you've got to pick up your kid. But if you, it also kind of gives you, it's just an easily accepted excuse. So it's not an excuse, it's a reason. But, you know, if you, if you don't have a kid, you don't have that. And there's an expectation on childless people. I don't know, Becca, you can talk about it more, but that you or you just have all the time in the world because you don't have that hard out. So there is a way in which it's kind of it's almost kind of nice to have those really strict um, lines on your day. Yeah, I've definitely read articles that say the biggest productivity hack, having kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for the work efficiency to kick in. Did you find coming back, Anna, that did things feel different to you? Like, I mean, I guess you were, you know, your circumstances were different because you were working remotely. Had you been working remotely before? No, okay. not, until, so, not until I was, yeah, on maternity leave. Because I, I was surprised at how not different things felt when I, I sort of felt like I stepped back into a, you know, five months ago, almost to the point where people, I'd see people and I'd just kind of wave at them and then they'd do a double take and I'd remember like, oh, right, I have to talk to them for a while because I haven't seen them in so long. Did you, like, what did you walk back into? Did it feel like the same or did you have to get used to a lot of new things? I think, I mean, I, on the one hand, I totally hear, like, I had that experience that you were having of like, oh, I'm back at work and I'm doing something that I know how to do. And, and there was something really nice about that. Like, I'm putting on an old coat that fits just right. um, And it's, and it's something you know, I knew I know how to do my job. Um, yeah, and per- that was particularly nice because I do not how to. I did not, you know, I do not know how to be a mother. I'm learning how to be a mother, um, and so to feel like I was good at something and competent at something by going back at work was a welcome feeling. I don't know. For me, I I like. I don't know. I'm I'm finding. I love being a mom. I also love other parts of my life. Well, we appreciate you talking about being a mom <laughs> with us, and hopefully. Our listeners will get something out of knowing how to integrate it back into their work lives and still have their other identity. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me. So what struck me about Anna's approach to making it all work as a new parent was not everybody necessarily has Anna's circumstance. She has a her own radio show that she's very much the voice of, but she, like everybody who takes some kind of parental leave, had to figure out, she had to navigate her own way of making it work. You know, she had to figure out what worked for her experiment and come up with her own approach to both taking time off and then integrating herself back in with her colleagues when she got back. 
What I think is unique about Anna is she has a huge platform to talk about these things and I think normalize some of it. Like we just spent a lot of time talking about pumping in the workplace and there was a woman who was in a meeting with Donald Trump and when she asked to take a break to go pump, he thought it was disgusting. But obviously pumping is the reality of when you come back to work and when you're a mom. And I think the more we have conversations like these where we say what it is like to be a parent and to work at the same time, that workplaces will start to adapt and hopefully change. You're saying it's okay to end a meeting with, I have to go pump now and we should do it more. You should, you do, should it. do it. No, no you <laughs> should do it. I mean, you should do it. It would just confuse people. Yeah. <laughs> I can't like pretend to be a mom just to get 15 minutes out early from a meeting. No, but you can do it to advance the cause of making the workplace better for parents. Solidarity. Now it's time for Half-Baked Takes. Half-Baked Takes. Becca, what is your idea that's not worthy of the story but you want to talk about anyway? Okay, so my Half-Baked Take this week is about taking hooky days. I have taken some hooky days, not while I was working here. Of course not. I was going to say. Never at Bloomberg. Nuh-uh. Um, once I said I had a migraine, which I do get, and went hiking with a friend because she had a holiday off That's and she's a teacher. That's very millennial of you. Yeah. I was younger, too, obviously. And it was the most stressful hike I've ever been on. I was so <laughs> stressed out. I was sure that I was going to be called out for taking the hooky day. So I just feel like hooky days are more anxiety than they're worth. So when you say a hooky day, you mean not like... You feel kind of sick, but you're really no. Just, I like, mean, you're call, like going just, to the movies, right? You are actively doing yeah. something other than staying home. And it's not like you said, "I'm going to take a personal day" or "I'm taking a vacation day." You're taking a sick day, right? You're saying you're sick, but you're actually yeah more than okay. I think that's very stressful. And the point of a hooky day is to have fun. Yeah. So I'm anti playing hooky. That's right. I'm a company woman. Wow. Really rebellious. Thank you. Um, so I know that you've probably been storing these up. I have so when many. When you gone. So what is your favorite, not really fully formed idea, Francesca? This Half-Baked Take has a headline, because I think Half-Baked Takes should. And it's called, Sorry, Not Sorry for the Delay. Clever. Thanks. So... I was inspired by you, actually, because you wrote me an email or you responded to an email and said something like, sorry for the delay. And I had taken no notice that it had taken you like a few hours to write back. And I realized how often I do this. I am constantly sending emails back maybe a day or so later than I think I should have. And then I write, I'm so sorry for the delay in responding or sorry for the delay or sorry it took so long to get back to you. And I think that no one should really ever write that because the only thing it's ever going to do is draw attention to the fact that you took a long time to write them write them back. And I'm very rarely ever like, I'm usually just like, oh, thank goodness I finally got an answer on that question. Or, oh, okay, this person wrote me back. I'm rarely like, they wrote me back, but it took days. Okay, I agree with you. And you know I'm an email minimalist. And I would not write that in an email. Okay. I, it was a chat. Oh, okay. And I do think chats are more urgent than emails. And that's why I said, yeah, but sorry you just, for the you're delay. You're just wasting more time by putting that in the chat. You're, I was you're sincerely taking time. sorry. 
Yeah, but you're, it was, fell on deaf ears. There was nothing you needed to be forgiven for. You should have just forgiven yourself. You. No one should email, I'm sorry for the delay, but yeah. Guys, don't be sorry for the delay. Just send the email back as soon as you can. Or the chat. We can agree on this. Great. This has been Half Big Takes. Half Big Takes. Thanks for listening. I'm on Twitter at, at Francesca Today. And you can find me at RZ Greenfield. If you have your own Half Big Takes, tweet them at GamePlan and we will share them on the show. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes to review us or subscribe. The show was produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. The head of podcast is Alec McCabe, and we will see you next week. Bye. Okay, this isn't even a half-baked take, actually. I just realized this is breakfast is the most important meal of the day, so I can't do that. (laughs) Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.